kind of came into working with apprenticeships from the from a, from the side. Uh, we were we were trying to meet a labor market need in our state. Uh, it was in IT, and IT enrollments at the K twelve level and IT classes were down like thirty six percent, and at the higher ed level were down forty percent, and openings were skyrocketing. So there was, I mean, we weren't even getting the students into the programs, let alone getting them out. That was what started the drive towards apprenticeships. Well, we, we were looking at how can we get these, how can we get people into the industry positions quicker? And when we looked at, well, I mean, they do it with on-the-job training in the in the skilled construction trades, the electricians and, and, and the plumbers and HVAC folks. They get them in working and they're earning while they're learning. And that's why our apprenticeship model is called the earn and learn model, by the way. And uh, and then they get the related classroom instruction while they're progressing through it. And so it gets a, a workforce or gets a body into the workforce earlier. And so the employer gets some work out of them and gets a chance to train them in their company's culture and in their way of doing things. Because at higher ed, we have to train for the, for the if you want to say, for the average company. And then and, and once once they get hired, then they have to do the company specific training. So here they're they're getting that company specific stuff from day one. You know, it's, it's like sending somebody out on an internship. We, we, we do quite a bit of that, but we almost hate to do it because we rarely get them back. The company likes them and sucks them up before they get back to finish their degree. Oh, interesting. And for the folks who are listening in, welcome to the NCLA podcast. I am your host, Rachel Mann, and you're already listening to our guest today, Dr. Darling. And Dr. Doug Darling has been the president of Lake Region State College since May 2013 and has 34 years of experience in higher education, career and technical education, workforce development, and workforce training. He's led development of numerous CTE programs to meet industry employment needs in North Dakota. And be sure to expand upon the details of this podcast to learn more about his work and to click on some links that will show you more about apprenticeships, which is the topic of today's conversation. And if you are tuning in on the week of November 14th to the 20th of 2022, we are celebrating Apprenticeship Week. So what better time to talk about this important message and how you can implement apprenticeships in your programs than to use this week as a catalyst for that conversation. Getting back to our conversation, Doug, can you talk a little bit more about your involvement in CTE and your CTE leadership journey and just a little bit about this, how that led to the apprenticeship piece? Well, certainly, Rachel, and thanks for asking. I actually started out as a uh, a CTE teacher in the mid '80s. I was uh, well back then. It was distributive education, and now it's known as marketing education. And so I uh, that's was my undergraduate degrees in marketing education, and I started out uh, teaching marketing in a multi-district uh, K-12 uh, career and technical education center, and I did uh, two to three years there, and then I did some work for uh, our our Job Service North Dakota, who handled the federal employment and training programs. And I worked with the Job Training Partnership Act. For those of you with gray hair like mine, you might remember that. Yeah. And, and did and did the, you know, 
on-the-job training contracts and uh, exemplary youth programs and summer youth programs for them. And after that, I moved to the uh, the, to the community college level at, at Lake Region State College. And uh, again, I was uh, teaching marketing. I was, uh, again, the CTSO advisor, current technical student organization advisor, uh, did the uh, supervision of the uh, work experiences for, you know, uh, the related work experience for the, the program. And in fact, I did them for the, the work placements and supervision for all of the programs at the center to, to fill out my 100% contract. And so I, I've had, you know, experience with that and then all the way, you know, th through the, 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 the post-secondary level at the community college. And, you know, there we've got the opportunity to work directly with employers in, in terms of our programs. And at some point there, they, uh, one of my supervisors rec said she recognized some leadership skills in me and, and wanted me to take a, a leadership track and, and, and so gave me a promotion to doing the uh, continuing education and non-credit workforce training. And I did that for a couple of years, but I wanted to move up in, the, in more in the uh, traditional education leadership track. And I actually ended up going back to Lake Area Career and Technology Center as the director of the multi-district center for, for three years. <laughs> Had the uh, wonderful opportunity and uncomfortable challenge of supervising the teacher that I did my student teaching with. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so that was that was interesting. And, and thank goodness we were good friends before and, we're, and we've been great friends after. So it, it worked out. But I, w I did that for about three years and, and got enough experience with you know, teacher evaluations and curriculum development and, and hiring faculty and had the chance to move back over to Lake Region State College, which is directly across the parking lot. Our, our, our buildings are only about 100 feet apart. So I didn't have far to go, but back to Lake Region State College as the uh, Vice President for Academic Affairs, which meant I was responsible for all instructional programs, um, both the uh, all the CTE programs as well as the uh, academic transfer things. And did that for, uh, well, it was kind of like third grade. I did it for 15 years and couldn't quite seem to graduate. But um, <laughs> then in, in, in 2013, I... Uh, had the honor of being appointed their uh, president at Lake Region State College, and that's the role I continue in today. Well, you are obviously well-versed in CTE. So from your perspective, what makes CTE education so critical in today's world? Well, it's just extremely, extremely critical. I mean, if you look at, especially post-pandemic, um, if you've tried to hire an electrician, or somebody to do a remodel on your house, or somebody to work on your plumbing. You know, it's not how many days you're gonna have to wait, it's how many weeks or months. We're just extremely short of of those skilled trades. And, and you know, those are things that students can do, not just to, not just as a job, but they can be a career. And, and you know, the challenge at the post-secondary level in training those occupations is, a lot of times our graduates will go out and make as much or more than their instructor did their first year. And so it's, it takes uh, people that want to teach and want to give back and want to help uh, develop youth to, to come into the education system and, and, and do that training. But they're just, you know, I can't emphasize, I guess, how, how much those occupations are needed in our everyday life. And we've kind of gotten away and everybody wants their students, to, their, their children to do, you know, I want my son to do it better than I did or to have it better. Well, 
in in some cases they're they're pushing for those baccalaureate degrees and you know my my dad was a, a teacher and a school superintendent and he didn't want me to go into education because the 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 pay is so low for teachers compared to the pay in in the skilled trades for example where you only require a two year degree and and with education it's a bachelor's degree and you know I know a number of of teachers that you know they go out and start at anywhere from thirty six to forty thousand dollars a year well it's going to take them. 20 to 30 years to pay off their student loans at, with, with, with the salary they're making. So there's, there's, a, there's a need for, for all levels of the education. But we, right now, I guess we're just seeing a critical need in, in the CTE area. You know, and I mean, that's everything from plumbers and carpenters to nurses and police officers and uh, you name it. I worked at West Meg or for several years, which is a tech center. And the superintendent, Greg Donovan, would say, this is our time. And when you think about yeah. what's happening now, I mean, that was several years ago. It's even more so our time. People are seeing that value of CTE. And instead of schools going out and trying to find industry folks to partner with, industry folks are going to the schools and saying, hey, how, how can you help us to ensure that next workforce? You're exactly right there, Rachel. When I came to Lake Region State College back in the late 80s, 65% of our students were in the liberal arts transfer and 35% we're in the current technical education programs. It's done a complete flip. So now 65 to 70% of our students are in the career and technical education programs and 30 to 35% are in the academic transfer. That is quite the shift. Well, and so you, start, you started talking about the apprenticeships and can you talk about the innovation that's taking place in your, your college through through these apprenticeship opportunities? And are there some ways that folks who are listening in can replicate these efforts? Well, absolutely. And, and you know, apprenticeships are nothing new. And, and, you know, Benjamin Franklin was an apprentice to his brother. And, and, and Paul Revere was an apprentice silversmith. You know, and those are examples in the U.S. In, in, you know, Europe and other places, it goes back literally thousands of years where the master craftsmen were training their, their workforce and those that would replace them. And so as I, I was talking about, we're, we're seeing a huge need for uh, workers in the information technology field in, in North Dakota and nationally. And, you know, the last data I saw was there were like a million and a half open positions in, in either IT or, or IT-related cybersecurity. And we're only putting out about 400,000 graduates nationwide in IT. And in North Dakota, uh, we looked back like eight years, and our enrollment in IT courses at the K-12 level had fallen by 36%. And at post-secondary, it was even worse. We were down 40%. So enrollment in the programs was down by literally a third or more. And we had more job openings than we could possibly fill if every graduate went to work in North Dakota. And so we started looking at ways that we could get these uh, young people into those jobs sooner to A, help them, and B, help the employers. And so we started looking at things like apprenticeships. And there are a number of models across the country. And, and we worked, uh, attended a conference at Harper College in Illinois and, and are using part of their model and, and, and with, with our own spin to it. Um, we call ours the dual model because our students not only are completing a registered apprenticeship, and we'll get a certificate from the Department of Labor that says they're completing a registered apprenticeship. They're also completing either a certificate or a diploma or an associate degree from us at the same time. So they'll also have that college degree in case they want to move on in the future and, and go up into management or 
anything. So they've got they've got it both on an academic transcript, as well as they'll have the uh, registered apprenticeship certificate from the Department of Labor. And so I guess that's kind of the 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 difference. And we're looking at we're calling them modern apprenticeships. The traditional ones have been in in the construction trades and in the skilled trades and um, in, in frankly in, in factory and, and union environments. And so most we're we're working with apprenticeships in nursing, in IT, in simulation, and uh, I, I, not just nursing, but in both RN and, and LPN, but for CNAs, and looking at uh, you know apprenticeships in some of our other programs. So anywhere that there's a need to get them into the workforce quicker and and with a with an on-the-job training component, we're we're looking at that as an opportunity. Well, and for the folks who are tuning in and they're wanting to start this apprenticeship piece or to or to extend it to, like you said, the modern apprenticeships, I had not heard of apprenticeships in nursing until you sent the links over on what, what's happening in your in your college. What what would be the first step? What how would they go about approaching this? I think the the, the first place I would start is the, the there's a website, uh, apprenticeships.gov. That's a spinoff. I think it's from the, the Department of Labor, but they have got all the information you could ever want about uh, apprenticeships and, and looking at it from being becoming an apprentice. If you're looking for a career, starting an apprenticeship program, if you're an employer or engaging employers and students, if you're an educator in apprenticeships. And then I would uh, take a look at uh, someplace like like Regent State College or Harper College because we, we got our start with a, a small grant and we're in the middle of, or shouldn't say in the middle, we're in the third year of a, a Department of Labor grant to expand apprenticeship opportunities in North Dakota that we wrote together with the State Board for Career and Technical Education here in North Dakota. And Wade Sick and his staff have been working with us uh, as we've gone through that. So I guess that's where I would start was at the, you know, the apprenticeship.gov and then look at some of the models that are out there and, and you know, ours is, is not copyrighted or protected and we'll gladly share anything with, with anybody because we got some public funds to, to help develop it. Uh, well, thank you. And for the folks who are listening in, definitely check out the website that Doug mentioned for apprenticeship.gov. It also gives some fantastic statistics showing that individuals who complete an apprenticeship, start off or have an average of $77,000 for a starting salary, which that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, yes, it is. And, and I've tried to find out, you know, because right now it seems like everybody's interested in, in the ROI or the return on investment. And when I, I looked at some data over in Europe, they, they figure it's a three to one ROI. So for every dollar they invest in an apprenticeship program over there, they feel like they get $3 in return. The, the what I could find in, in the U.S. was about a dollar forty-seven, but I mean, if if I can go to the bank and buy a dollar forty-seven's worth of money for a dollar, I should be in line at that bank all day long. Absolutely. And and that's just monetizing it. I mean, it's it's not to mention that you're you're getting them acclimated to your company culture, teaching them your way of doing things, and and basically you're almost it's an extended internship and trial. You know, so you're getting to try it before you buy it, so to speak. So it's it's a great opportunity. It really is. And Doug, one of the links that you that you sent over regarding what's happening in North Dakota and through your college talked about nursing apprenticeships in rural areas. 
What is it that makes rural, the rural areas piece so unique for apprenticeships? Well, I'm going to have to take a half a step sideways and not talk about nursing yet, but just in, in general, most apprenticeships have only been done in, in urban areas because they needed to get a cohort of folks that were trying to get into the same occupation through apprenticeship all together to deliver the related classroom instruction. And so we're, we've been delivering distance education courses um, either online or over interactive video since 1992. And so we, we had experience with that. In, in North Dakota, our, we've got a large geography and a small population. So we haven't been able to do apprenticeships at a, at a large scale because we didn't have enough apprentices in the same occupation in the same area to be able to you know, efficiently deliver that related classroom instruction. Now that we're able to use more of the distance ed technologies in terms of primarily online and, and the, uh, even with our online platform, point-to-point -point video. So it's, it's been able, that's been able us to serve these rural populations where we can have one or two apprentices in the, in the small town of Grafton, North Dakota, and five or 10 in Grand Forks, and one out in Wishick, and one in East Pesek, and, and put them together as a cohort. So being able to deliver the related classroom instruction at a distance in a quality manner has been a game changer for us in terms of being able to do apprenticeships. Oh, that, that is fantastic. And if there are folks who are tuning in who are at the high school level as a CT director and they're interested in a po possibly pre-apprenticeships even, what, what recommendations do you have for them? Well, again, they, if they would want to start with the apprenticeships.gov, but uh, from when we started working on our apprenticeship program from day one, I worked. I was was working with someone that I think you know from Red River High School in Grand Forks, North Dakota, uh, Eric Ripley. Oh yes. And, and I mean, and Eric has had, and because Eric has got great things going on there, and they have a really solid IT department, and they use their IT students as the help desk for the whole school. Oh, and wow. so they were they were doing courses for for credit, as well as uh, doing you know, supervised occupational experience, and 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 internships, and so um, our we've got a and and I, I can send you a one of our PowerPoint presentations on this. We've got it. We call it the apprenticeship ladder, and it starts off with job shadowing down at the middle school level. And goes up through the you know the occupational experiences, the internships during high school, and then on to the apprentice when they're 18 and, and out of high school. Um, so that's kind of the progression. It, it's the typical apprentice needs to be 18 years old. They'll let us do some some pre-apprenticeship stuff and and some youth apprenticeships, but it's they're not. I don't know how to say it. It's it's not a full apprenticeship. But it needs to, they need to be a minimum of 16 years old. And in, in some cases, they need to be not in school, whether they graduated early or they dropped out and, and you know, they're looking at another route into the workforce. But uh, so, you know, it, it goes back to and when, I, when you've been around too long, like I feel like I have sometimes, it goes back to those activities that we did in school to work and tech prep, that career exploration so that you're getting them involved in that exploration as, as, as middle schoolers. And when they get into the high school level, they can take those focused classes, they can do an internship, 
And rather than having a summer job at the movie theater, you know, popping popcorn, if they're going into healthcare, they could be working as a CNA during the summer, or they could be working in IT on an internship between their junior and senior year. And when they're a senior year, they could be, you know, doing a supervised occupational experience or doing an internship that year, and then roll right into an apprenticeship where they're employed full time. They've got a job that's got a great salary and benefits. Their employer is paying for their related classroom instruction. And in the cases with the apprentices that we've got, paying for their college degree so that a couple years after high school, they can have zero debt, a college degree, a registered apprenticeship completed, and no student loans. Where was that when I was graduating, Rachel? I was, I was thinking the exact same thing. Oh, all of those student loans. I mean, that, that just gives them such an advantage to be able to start off into their career and into their life without having that huge burden of debts or even the burden to their parents or yeah. guardians, whoever may be paying for it. Wow. It's, yeah. it's just a win, win-win situation all around. Well, it's a win for the employer because they get to work with that young person and, and, you know, bringing some new blood into the business and develop them in their business's culture and their processes and, you know, and grow them into the position. Uh, just it just ensuring that that future workforce it's just it just makes so much sense it does and in fact you know that's one of the things that you know we started working with it and you, you've got to have employer buy-in and we've got one employer that said you know i have about two to three employees that retire every year and 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 for the foreseeable future that's going to happen he said so i want to start with apprentices now and I want to start two or three new ones every year so that I've got a steady stream of employees that I can count on that are coming, that'll be here in a couple of years. And I'll, you know, I'll be able to take care of some of my retirement and turnover that way, rather than trying to advertise and hire somebody from the outside and going through. I mean, if you've, the process of hiring somebody has gotten extremely expensive. You know, just the advertising and the, and the time it takes to, to do the interview process. And if you're in higher ed, you know, they never interview with just one person. There's a whole committee that has to be there. And if you think of just the, uh, the dollars and salary that you're spending while that's going on, it's, it's incredible. So it can, again, provide you that steady work supply of a workforce and, and a quality workforce and, and save you the cost of hiring. That's it. Wow, it's a, just a phenomenal model that that makes sense. It is, and on the on the apprenticeship.gov site, you know, there's a one of the other statistics there is they've got 93% employment retention, and that's the you know 93% of the apprentices that go to work for an employer retain that employment after completing their apprenticeship. That where else does that happen? That's incredible. It is incredible, and it's just and I'm I'm curious to see. I mean, somebody's got to study that long term, but. You know, back when Ben Franklin was an apprentice, he was indentured to his brother. I mean, he had to complete his apprenticeship. He had to work for him for 10 years before he could draw a salary. Now, the employers now aren't indenturing them, but they do require normally that if you if if we support you as an apprentice for three years, you need to work for us for three years after that. I was just talking to a teacher earlier today who took a group of students to a local community college to, uh, I'm sorry, to a, uh, a manufacturing plant. And they were talking about the uh, apprenticeship program that they had and how they provide all of this training. And one of the students asked a great question. He said, well, couldn't we just t- go through your training program 
and then leave and go and work somewhere else? And his response was, well, why would you? You're going to discover that this is the best place to work, <laughs> you know, once you, once you get yeah. here. And I think that that part is important, too, is that, you know, the training piece is coupled with providing an excellent workplace. And you've already established the relationships. So that's, yes. that's another plus. And like I said, with our dual model, not only are they getting the, the, the job, the apprenticeship, they're getting their college degree at the same time. Well, I've enjoyed this conversation so much, Dr. Darling, and I really appreciate you sharing what's happening at Lake Region State College and offering to share those resources with our listeners. And is there anything else that you would like to share while we're on the podcast? Well, just that, again, I think it's an incredible opportunity for for youth and for employers. Um, it's it's a great way to, to, if you want to say, to test drive a job and for the employer to test drive you. And if you want to, if you know what you want to do when you're in high school, you can start. There's nothing wrong with the service industry jobs. But if you're going to work in IT or work in nursing, why not get that work experience and get some classroom credit for it and, and have a job waiting for you when you graduate from high school? Absolutely. And for the folks who are listening in, be sure to tag us in your social media posts to share out the apprenticeship experiences that you're offering. And if you would like to be a guest on a future episode, or if you have topics that you would like for us to address, please email us at info at ncla-cte.org. And Doug, thanks again. I really appreciate you sharing your expertise. Well, no problem, Rachel. And just thank you for allowing me to share.